0: And we're on uh this is uh, kevin evans with the chapter by chapter life class in uh, crossroads assembly of god in greenville and we uh, have been studying the gospels and we got halfway not even halfway a third of the way into chapter 18 of john and this is the beginning of uh, the passion play with christ's being arrested and brought before uh, uh, his three quick trials. And then in chapter 19, <coughs> excuse me, it's about his crucifixion. And uh, we got to chapter 15 okay. just to find our place and we were gonna pick it up there. And as I was preparing for cha- what, what? Verse 15, Verse 15 chapter 18.
1: There we go.
0: Did 18, I say it wrong? You
1: said yeah. chapter 15.
0: <sighs> I'm so sorry. We are in okay. chapter 18. And we will be picking it up at chapter 15.
1: Verse 15. Well, Verse
0: 15. I really wonder what people who are listening to this podcast are really thinking about this right now. Just turn it off. 1815. We're at 1815. Now, and at this point, we have Peter. Who is in the home of the high priest father-in-law, Annas. Emeritus. Emeritus? It's Annas. Oh. And they're having a pre-trial hearing, which is what it's been euphemistically referred to as. And as I studied this, I realized that it's really, really important that we talk about architecture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought that'd be funnier when I said it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, so, so, I really like my house. My wife and I have, have sacrificed and saved for years to buy the house that I'm in. Uh, it's got a nice front facade. I've got it's got street appeal. <laughs> That's what I'm told. I have to <laughs> mow it far more often than I would like. You do. You need to. There is a front flower bed that the previous owner put in. This big elaborate we call it the island. This thing and it faces one of my neighbors and I am not the greatest gardener. I mean, I can mow and trim, you know, and clip edges, but I don't pull a lot of weeds and I don't keep flowers. And um, when she decides that my flower bed is not up to her standards, I hear about it. And I get furiously angry for about 15 minutes. And then I smolder for another 15 minutes. <laughs> and then I go weed the flower bed.
1: Hey,
0: is this lady two houses from Do you know her? <laughs> we should probably not say her name on the recording. Okay, okay. <laughs> she already figured it out. So All right. We by your house, so. Were, you? Yeah. Were you? Does she have a little dog? Okay. okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. Okay, my point is, uh, yeah, I go out and I clean out the flower bed because I am under a certain amount of peer pressure to maintain appearances with my pretty house that I'm so proud of because that is the Western way and you want to keep your property values up and all of that kind of stuff. And that is not the way the Hebrews, looked at house, hearth, and home. And when you understand how the Hebrews who got most of their culture more from Asia than what we would consider Western culture, which didn't exist at the time, uh, then a lot of the little references in this Passion Play make more sense. Uh, Peter makes more sense when when you look at what was actually happening there and uh, even uh, some of the instances with Christ, like the the the, the epileptic, but not, not epileptic, the the paraplegic being let down through the ceiling, and you know, I think about somebody knocking a hole in my roof. I would be very upset if somebody knocked a hole in my roof. But I don't know if that was as quite as intense as it sounds to us now, because Hebrew Asian homes. Have a whole different idea to them. Yes, sir. What? In the roof, grass or dirt? Getting there. Okay. So, first you have to back up a little bit and look at the general cultural mindset of the Hebrews. They spent an entire generation wandering around the desert, living in tents, moving periodically and regularly. They were never in one place very long. And when you spend an entire generation as a nomad, you develop certain habits that you, you don't have to follow. Uh, when you, you, you set up your tent, you've got to figure out where the water is, you've got to figure out where the latrine is, you establish all of these you know, points, and, and once you do that 50 times, then you, there, there's, to be, there's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it. And everybody generally agrees. And that's the whole idea where culture comes from. You know, we have these habits that everybody follows. So it's a, it's a, it's a group of nomads who are entering the promised land with Joshua. They beat up all the Canaanites and Joshua put the battle and, and we take over uh, Canaan to establish Uh, uh, Israel and the first thing they do is they uh, survey it and they cut it up into 12 big chunks and they separate areas by tribe and God gives this area to one tribe and if you are part of that tribe then you go there and the tribe has a meeting and they divide that up by family and eventually you end up with a signed acreage that is given to your family by God. And you're a nomad and suddenly you have this one spot of dirt that's yours. Now, they don't really think quite that way. Israel is theirs. Israel is home. It's not so much the house. With my home, it's my property line. This is how Kevin thinks. I am home when I'm standing on my grass. When I step over the curb into the street on Briarwood, not home anymore. I'm one step away from home. I know that I can be arrested for certain things if I'm standing in the street. But if I take two steps back with that camera, I'm still okay because I'm on my property. You know, uh, and and that's how we think. And and really, home is inside my walls. Where there's air conditioning. That's I really think air conditioning kind of defines Texas homes. You know, that's that's where you are. They didn't really get, I think, 15 days of, of over triple digits. Did they? Does it, does it get that hot there? I don't know. Okay. So they're living in this property and they're nomadic people. And the first thing they do is set up the tent. They set up the camp. And all an Asian house is, is a permanent camp. And you, and they think of it that way. So. That's right, that's right. (laughs) See, you threw me off, I was on a roll. So, you have a tent when you're camping. Everybody sleeps in the tent because there might be rain or something. Uh, Mom and Dad are here. Everybody else crams in on little pallets, and you close it up, and, and, and you have relative safety. But it's a tent, so if the bear attacks, you're still in trouble, you know. Uh, you might have a fire right here, right, if you're camping. Okay. Now that it's permanent, you're not moving anywhere, the tent becomes a more permanent thing and you build something more substantial. So what they would do is build a house roughly the size of a tent out of stone and then they would take uh, beams and have a fairly tight arrangement of beams coming across the top, and then they would take clay and fill in in those beams, something similar to what happens in the American West during the pioneer period, and they build this flat roof that has a slight grade, so it'll it'll shed water, but it's strong enough that you can stand on the roof. And the idea was, you've got people sleeping down here. If you finish off this roof, Now the kids can go and sleep on the roof in good weather, and we got more room in the the bedroom, right? And so they would utilize this roof part. So the next thing that you do, because you're you're not living in the bedroom, you're living in camp. This is where everything happens. And so this is where you're making things and you're fixing things and you're cooking and you're living. So if somebody comes over to talk to you, you don't go into the bedroom to talk, you talk by the fire, right? So the next thing that you're gonna do to improve your, your, your camp is to build a, what I would call an awning, and you, you carry out this roof here under a, uh, uh, you know, on, under a... It's a covered porch. It's a covered porch. Perfectly. And you put that there, it, well, that's a little different, but yeah. And, uh, and so, yes, Bill, what you would do is, you wouldn't have a really sturdy section, you have thinner sections and then you thatch it with, with grass and then they put clay on top of it. Now, if you're from England, it's just thatch, which is where the idea of a thatch roof comes from. I think the water came through in the English roof a little faster than it does in Asian roof, just to say so. But they would have, this would would be fairly solid too, and that gives you shade, but it's open on these three sides. It's just a, a porch covering, and that's where you eat dinner. That's where, that's the living room, this porch that's open. It's a very open way of living. So Junior gets married but he doesn't move out of the house unlike here unlike in the West, anyway. and there's uh, they, they, they talk about uh the they, the christ gives a parable about the wedding and and the bridegroom and, and and all of that all of that has to do with and i think we've discussed this some uh, about this tradition And what happens is that Junior isn't gonna bring his wife into this little bedroom with the rest of the house. So what Junior will do is build an extension on dad's house right here, and we just carry it on out so he has another room and another entrance and actually before he's allowed to get married dad has to approve of the construction on his own home before we bring that girl in here because this has got to be finished before we do that and they would actually delay the wedding and they didn't know the actual date of the wedding because we were waiting on the construction inspection you know and once that happened then 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 we would move on so this would get bigger as it continues to grow they would build another building over here, and they could also fill in a second story on top of this rather robust roof that they have here and have an upper room. There were some instances, middle class Asians uh, or or Middle Easterners are going to have a two-story building, and everybody lives in the upper story, and they're using the bottom story as a stable, and they use that for all of the work animals, the pets, and the milk goats. You know, the ones that you have to get too fast, the ones that you wanna protect more than everybody else. Uh, which is where I think a lot of the being born in a manger thing comes from. That was actually a living facility, but he's outside because there's no room inside. So we had, what, what, so they're gonna move the stables over here in the bottom level, and we might have another room on the top. As they get richer, they build a wall right there and a wall right there. And they're not the least bit concerned about what this looks like on the outside. It's this big, rough, blank wall with no decoration on it whatsoever.
3: care
0: about functionality. Yeah, well, yes. And it's not like they weren't interested in um, ostentatious wealth, because that happened. But we didn't want to, invite people to come into your rich house by saying, oh, look how rich we are. That's like saying to bandits, oh, come steal from me, you know? So you wanna kinda keep it blank. It might be big, but it's gonna be blank and difficult and imposing, and you don't want people to come in. And they put a door right here. The fire, which was right here, will often end up in the middle of the courtyard because it's gonna service Everybody that's living in there, and there might be 20 individuals living in the compound at that point. Uh, and this door is interesting. If you go to Lowe's right now and shop for a, a front door, two thousand dollars. I know. which is just because it's, it's ornate and it's got all this glass in it and there's this side, those little side panel thingies and then, and then we have to have this big open you know, it, you know the, the entryway in your home is a big deal if you watch all those home, those home and garden network know, things okay that is absolutely not what, what, what a middle eastern people would think of as far as the front door you don't want people to notice the front door you hide the front door I'm not joking. So, you've got a door right here. You don't put a big ornate door so that people will know where it is, then they can come kick it in and raid your house. What they would do is build a wall right here and a wall right here, and then the door would be right here, and people would have to come around to this door, and then a servant or whoever would let them in. And if they're really careful, the wall would come this way too, and there might be a door here, a door here, and a door here. So, so they could literally lock you in the foyer if they needed to, if they need to, you know, because they're, they're running away from the Romans and bad guys and Canaanites and whoever, you know. So, so this is kind of a protective entry area, and you don't see too much. Now, city houses are a little different, but this is, this is country houses. So, all oh, and the fire might be over here, closer to the door because people are coming in, and uh, there also might, this might not be just an open fire, but it would be a, a brick oven for bread, and it would be the cooking facility. There might be two depending on how big it is. And the richer you are, the fancier that courtyard is, and the more trees you have in it, and the more gardeny. It is, you know, and so you've got this blank outside, but you put all of your work in in uh, ornamentation on the inside of it, which brings us to verse 15. Um, Is he already in the room? Backing up to 12. Then the detachment of soldiers, which his commander and Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. So they're in the house of Annas. And Simon Peter, verse 15, and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, and this is John referring to himself, because John had connections and was known in this courtyard, the servants just waved him in because they recognized his face. He's got buddies in there. I don't know who, but he's got friends. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside by the door because the servant didn't know Peter because they're not letting just anybody in. This is inside the the, the high priest's house. You're not just going to let in anybody. The other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. So he vouches for him and talks Peter into the high priest's house. Yes. Yes, and he's got to get past that little double door thing. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And she says, "You're not one of his disciples, are you?" Because what else is she going to ask? I'm, I'm sure he's not. She's not the only person she's asked that of, right? And he says, "I'm not," because he's lying his way into the building, as you do. Pretty well knew
2: he was because he came in with John. John vouched for him. Maybe. I mean, he could lie. But she knows
0: John, and I'm, John is okay. So.
2: But I know. But I, she also knows John probably is a disciple. So she probably figured out that since John spoke for Peter, Peter is too. Maybe. So Peter
0: denies him the first time. It was cold, and the serpents and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. So there is a fire either in the middle of the courtyard or somewhere between the middle and the entryway typically. And he has come in as the new visitor and he is warming himself by the fire. He's standing around figuring out where you want, you know, you walk into the party and you've never been to the house before and, and you assess it really fast and figure out where you're supposed to stand for the next five minutes, you know. That's where Peter is. And uh, so he's warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioning Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And we have a little side where this is what Peter, John, hear. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews came together. I said nothing in secret. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? So they're roughing him up a little bit because we want him soft before we take him before the the Romans. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him still bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. I like, I like the way my,
2: my words come Of course, you do. What does it say? It says, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why smitest thou me? How oh, very Elizabethan English of oh. you. <laughs> you know, there is a sect of the Jews, one, one sect that, that does, still lives that lived in tents at this time. Because they took a vow not to build houses or anything else. They took a vow to live in tents just like they did in the wilderness. Sounds cold. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know anything about that. Um, You know, I think something else is interesting. I didn't realize that David prophesied way back in Psalms 41.9 about Judas was going to betray Jesus. I mean, that was way back before he was even born. They already knew that that's kind of a scary thing, you know. It was already already. I mean, his destiny was already planned before he was even born that he was going to betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: I'm going to jump in there. Destiny again. Uh, verse 24, Then Annas sent him... Still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. The next verse is Peter being challenged again. He's
1: still standing there warming so?
0: himself. Well, it doesn't say. Yeah, it does say that. Mm-hmm. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked. Now, does this mean that he goes to Caiaphas next, and Peter's third, second, and third denial take place before Caiaphas, or is he in the same place? I'm not sure in the end it matters that much, because when you consider that Caiaphas and Annas are certainly in the same neighborhood, you know, because they're the, it's the high priest and the ex high priest of the whole the, the country. Uh, it's it's the Bush family compound is what we're talking about here, and uh, I don't think that Caiaphas's home is particularly far from Annas's home. I think it's possible that Annas was on one side of this compound and Caiaphas was on the other. Or Annas is in a compound like this and across the street on this side, there's another one. And it, it's just right there. I think they, they took him to Caiaphas, but I think it was less than 50 yards.
2: Was there a certain section of land that was designated that only the priests could build Their houses owned when they gave out the lots and distributed the land. Okay. Inside
0: the city, the rules are a little bit different than with all of the assigned lands, and I don't know the answer to that question. I know that there were neighborhoods, and that there, much like now, there are rich neighborhoods and poor neighborhoods, you know? So maybe, uh, but I think it's probably just money. Who's closest to the temple or whatever? Um, So, at some point, they move into Caiaphas's yard, and I don't know if that's Peter moving to the other side of the fire or if everybody walked across the street, but I don't think it's much more intense than walking across the street at this point, And, and John does not record that. So, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, Are you not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man, whose ear Peter had cut off. So that guy's been having a really big evening, you know, because his relative just got his ear cut off and healed. So he's been hearing all about it. And here we are around the fire. And oh, there's the guy the dude's been talking about for the last three hours. Hmm? Malchus, yeah, yeah, cousin Malchus will not oh, sh- sh- will not shut up, and there, and there he is. You know in
1: redneck country, that's been said before. There's
0: my cousin, cousin Malchus oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cousin Malchus lost his ear. <laughs> so uh, he says, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? And so here we have a witness, he's being challenged for the third time. What verse are you in? I am in verse 30, 26. Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow.
3: Uh, there's a footnote in my Bible that talks about when Simon denied it. It says, A disciple's denial we'll would shame the teacher because many ancient hearers would feel that such behavior reflected badly not only on this important disciple, but also on Jesus who chose him. Nearly all scholars agree that ancient Christians would never have invented such a story.
0: Because Peter was showing weakness.
3: Uh, basically if you it's basically you represent the teacher and if you yeah. did something bad you make the teacher look bad more or less
2: right so I thought I should throw it out there no. that's what it says every time you, you cross."
0: contrast that against an Arabic cultural tradition of uh, strategic lying for God if you can defeat your enemy who is the enemy of God because he's your enemy and you can do so using deceit and trickery then that's a good thing that just means you're clever (coughs) and I think they're they're, they're, I, I think the Hebrews and I think anybody has a certain respect for cleverness you know now, yes, he's lying, but it's strategic lying to to get, to get work for God. Would you lie for God, Andrew?
3: Well, this gives, reminds me of the philosophical thought experiment about
0: magic. Oh, thank you for opening the score. <laughs> I knew where here. it was going. It's going to be a long um, run. I'm, like, oh, I'm not
1: participating girl. with this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I didn't mean to. I just – right. Just, just, <laughs> okay. Just,
3: okay. This <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this reminds me of the typical thought experiment between the debate between deontological ethics versus utilitarian ethics. Yeah, anyway, where about like imagine you were in Nazi, imagine you were in Nazi Germany and you're hiding Jews in your home, and the and the Nazis knock on your door and says, are you hiding Jews in your home? Like on the one hand, if you uh, tell a lie, you save the Jews, but you lie to the uh, the to the evil Nazi authorities. But if you tell the truth and all of that, then you sent the uh, Jews off to concentration camps and you participated in genocide, basically. Uh, I I don't think so, but I don't know. But anyway, is the Christian,
1: is the Christian sinning when they lie to the Nazis?
0: Of course not.
1: Uh, I in my church, the last church I pastored, she th- she did not think Corey Ten Boom was a Christian. She really? would not read any of her books, would not follow her at all because she was a liar.
0: Do you think Peter was saying <laughs> when he was lying to the Jew to the evil Jews? I mean, isn't it the same question in the Book of Luke? Didn't Jesus commend the dishonest yeah. manager who was getting fired and he oh, said, "Hey, know, take that your that bill," and yeah, yeah, said, "80, right, 50?" Yeah,
3: so yeah, okay. okay. Oh, and. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I believe there. It's been a while since I read it. It was during like some Passover festival that j- some people asked, "Hey, are you going to the festival?" And he said no or something. Then he went in secret or something like
1: that. So I, I, I think where it comes down to, I think where it comes down to is, I don't know. This, this is hard. I, I hear a lot of people say, "Well, I did." I've heard it recently. Well, yeah, we lie, but we're doing it for. It's usually for self-promoting. Mm-hmm things really people say i'm really lying for god they're really lying for themselves mm-hmm. whereas Cor- corrie timboom was per- actually she, there, she was actually taking a great risk if if she told the truth she would have been given an award by the nazis probably mm-hmm. the, the, she was actually lying for loss as opposed for self. Now there's a lot of people today who call themselves Christians. You say, well, you know, whatever it does is to get to the gospel, you know, get the gospel spread. Which I don't think God needs our lying to spread the gospel. Then He's not God, you know. So, or do the ways the ways of my world, the ways of my kingdom are not of this world kind of thing? When we have to stoop to the way the world does things, we're not really promoting God. Uh, go ahead.
0: Oh, it was a smart answer. But, but, you know, you're supposed to use your gifts for God. But what if I'm really good at lying? Um,
1: and you need to change, have the Holy Spirit change you, brother. Here.
0: Uh, here. here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the different, actors, by definition, are liars. Okay. I mean, that's what they do. So let's get to the
1: definition of what we're talking about here. Okay. We're talking about the deceptive of a statement. Yes. If. A joke could be a lie, but with, I'm not telling a joke. I'm not trying to deceive the world through this joke. A person who lies to get money, a person who lies to get promotion, a lie. A person lies. There's a dis. What makes the lie a sin is deception. Was Corey Timboom deceiving for personal gain? No, she does no. not. So she yeah. was deceiving though. Here, this is. <laughs> Class in oh, college.
3: here. This is how I look at it through the lens of virtue ethics, where places ethics. places for ver- strong emphasis on character and motives. So the question is, what is
1: your
2: motives? Going
1: to come beat you up after the end of this day.
2: <laughs> now, mine has a side note here, that says that he basically he yielded, he's yielding to temptation. But you, but you can also go to this. What, who, do, does a soldier get hold it, hold accountable because he killed the enemy to try to save lives? I mean, because
1: it's not a selfish thing he's doing; he's doing it to protect someone's life. Wait, right? so I
0: can kill somebody as long as I'm protecting somebody else? Well, as long as I'm not being selfish, I can do that. Well, things. wait a second.
1: Why are you? kidding? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> a soldier who commits a war crime, killing somebody. Yes, that's a sin, because
2: that's... that's, I was was talking about just a soldier on the battlefield, you know, because we think about what all they've had to do, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing, but here's a little different. Mine has a side note here. It says, basically, Peter just yielded to temptation. God had already told him what he was going to do, and he was so big on himself and so bragging on himself that he said, oh, no, I'm never going to deny you, and I think it was to humble him. He he yielded...
0: Mm-hmm. Teach. Yes, that, thats thats the point I was about to make. You know, jump in ahead, on it. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't really matter what his motivations were, whether or not it was selfish or clever or sin or not. Christ told him that you're going to deny me three times. Jesus said. Uh, uh, Peter said, "No, I'm not." And then he did, and he became aware of it after he denied him the third time, like, because it came so easy. I would suggest that (laughs) Peter was pretty used to lying to people (laughs) because he didn't notice that he had denied. I mean, he told Christ just hours earlier, I'm never going to deny you. And then he denies him twice and doesn't notice it's that quick. You know, when, when you're comfortable telling a lie, you don't really pay attention when they slip past. That you roo- know, and so he doesn't notice it till that rooster crows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, uh, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you go back to Judas, I, in Acts 1, 8, 1, uh, 118, it talked about he died a pretty horrible death. It says not only did he hang himself, but his bowels all flushed out of uh, himself.
0: Thanks for bringing that up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, that sounds like a... Ooh, this is sounds a family, family class here. Yeah. <laughs> and Andrew's then, so young, his ears are burning.
2: I mean, it, it, and, he, and he was... He was he was bound with the you know and Peter even said it he was bound with the the wicked I mean after that he didn't get any redemption even though he were, he was remorseful he obviously didn't get any redemption from being remorseful because it said he was he was bound with the with the wicked.
1: Don't underestimate what we do sin wise when we're trying to save our own skin hmm. and promote ourselves when I say promote ourselves promote what we want it's our desire. Human nature have a wonderful way of justifying our shortcomings, our weaknesses. Yes, we do. We, I, I hear it every day. I'm a news how Christians say certain things. I, it's okay for me to say this, talk this way. No, mm-hmm. the ways. My kingdom is not of this world. We don't do that. Well, they did this, so we're doing it back.
0: I could vouch for that.
1: I mean, that that's the way of the world. We're stupid. <coughs> we have a wonderful way of justifying
0: what we want. hmm even if it goes against
1: the word of God. We twist scripture, we say, well, that's not what it meant. Well, in this case, this is why it's not a sin. And it is. And I've been guilty I've been guilty of it. And it's been you. guilty of
2: it. It's just like Peter, he said, you're the rock, and then in the next verse he's saying, get behind me, say I mean, you know I mean Peter went from from here to here. <laughs>
1: well, God has a way of, you know, when he promotes us up, he wants to do, he might remind us, hey, 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 you can easily go down here very easily so let's remember that. And so, because, you know, you tell, you, you promote somebody it goes to their head. And we're, we're all, we are all capable of, we get, every single person in here is capable of denying God. Every person in here is capable of doing it. Do, do it, maybe, maybe not. But we're all capable of.
0: Sure. In the, right In the right circumstance. In the right
1: circumstance. Well, I mean, you know, I, I heard someone I was talking to one time who's not a Christian said, you know, I've heard these stories of missionaries say, hey, deny God or I'm going to kill your kid. And the, and the guy goes, what's wrong with the person he's saying, okay, I'll deny God, save my kid, and I'll go split for God later. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I mean, I don't justify what he did, but I've never been in that situation. <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. I guess, <laughs> you know what Christ is about to go through. You're kind of like, oh, my goodness, if someone is about to kill my kid, you know. Of course, I talked to the guy from another country who said they said they were going to rape my wife but didn't deny Christ and then kill my children. Right. I've never been in that situation. I would, ho- I, I, hope God would give me the power to do what God wants me to do in that situation. Oh, man, yeah, it's, hard it's, for me, it's hard for me to come down hard on people
2: like that. Look at Abraham when he was told he, to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know, his only, I mean. I, yeah,
1: we, we live in actually one of the easiest societies to be a Christian in.
0: <laughs>
3: Here, to put it this way, I can't remember who said this. It's basically, it's easier if you come up with a plan or a rule if you're not the one in that situation. Yeah.
0: Something like that. That's yeah. kind, of, kind
2: of about to uh, Hi, Lester. Uh, he was more fear than anything else. He was fear. He was in fear somehow. Fear. fear. Because
0: I get an example when I was in Saudi Arabia. Authority come ask me if I was Christian. So it took uh, it took me about ten seconds to answer. I was like, Oh, what did i say? <laughs> <laughs> and that was based on fear, what they could do. And I said, Sure, yeah, I am. We, we and it was okay, day. he left. <laughs> well, at the time, it's still Peter came into me how I asked him that question. I think the same thing Peter did. Fear, fear, we live with fear mm-hmm.
1: every day. You don't. you don't, I don't care what
2: anybody says, you don't escape fear. Fear yeah, is part, part of our everyday life, right? I mean, oh, I've, had, I've, had, you know, I've had Christians say that you, you know that we're bad Christians when I say that I have fear <laughs> in my life. I've had them tell me that. Well, then you're just not there, you know. It's yeah, cool.
1: okay. <laughs> yeah you know, because you're, you're
2: you're not trusting God is basically well, what they I, say. I think, I
1: think I've told the story this. Time.
2: And you're, you know, it's just like I've said before when I, when I broke my leg all to pieces and it wouldn't get well, the only thing that my Christian friends that were supposed to be supporting me could say is, Well, there's something not right in your heart, or God would heal you. You know, I mean, and so I'm sitting here praying and praying, trying to figure out Bill, what. Bill, you was. just
1: defended four people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, What did Bill say? Oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, look goodness. Look at, goodness. Look at <laughs> I always feel a little crushed when everybody walks out of Wow, I'm just stretching my hand. Okay. Hey, um, can I give you, no, oh, go ahead and finish what you're do. I don't think we have time to tackle can I the next section. little architecture You may, please do. Because it, it, it always excites me about that. Did you, really? Wow, okay. Uh, no,
1: this is where the verse comes from. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. He's explaining that very setup that you did. Right. Adding to the... It's not about mansions. We get that. That is a bad translation. In my father's house, there are many mansions.
0: It's one big garden with lots of places for people to study. We do not get a mansion when we go to heaven.
1: Got it. It's Mm -hmm. in my father's house, there are many rooms. And it has to do with the rapture of the church. It does with the end times. Because he said the typical thing when a... Jewish male got engaged to the female. She would go get ready to be a wife. She's probably 13, 14 years yeah. old, learning how to cook, sew, do all that stuff. He went back to prepare the room with his father. Right. And she had no idea when he was going to show up. Uh-huh. And said when they would come, the, the wedding part, he would get the, his father say, it's time to go get your bride. Your room's ready. The room's ready. They would do a procession. And when they came to the, uh, the engaged woman's house, they would blow a trumpet. Mm-hmm. And it was taking the, the bride back to the father's house. It's
2: eschatological.
0: However, Andrew, since you have been in a high school before, you know full well that if there is a fight and the principal walks from one side of the school to the other slowly to tell the teacher on the other side of the school about the fight, the teacher will already know by the time the <laughs> principal gets there. <laughs>
1: Really Word travels
0: voice. fast. Yep. I promised that bride knew that horn was about to blow okay. beforehand. you
1: support my case we I do still have, I do. No, we know right this the time the season we know we're prepa- we're preparing ourselves but we know it's about to happen mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a beautiful illustration. There, there are harbingers like,
0: of gossip that will keep you tuned in to the news of the day. Is gossip. We need to write our own. I can think of it as news. <laughs> that's how we justify yes. that's how That's how I justify many Christians
1: justify gossip by calling it a prayer request
0: <laughs> well isn't praying important I, th- I, I hey, think so need, I, I can
1: tell you about Lester we need to pray for Lester and then just all about Lester yeah just tell him all his troubles just roll it's, it out it's there it's not gossip it's a prayer request but I just want to give you all the dirt on Lester yeah. <laughs> <laughs> praise <laughs> the Lord brother
0: all right And on that, uh, the the, the next section is Christ before Pilate, which is just loaded with all kinds of nuance. So we are going to save that until next week, and we will pick it up at verse 28 and hopefully uh, move forward into 19. But, you know, I'm not going to rush it. We'll see how it goes. I don't have dirt on Lester. Me neither, actually. Congratulations, Lester. No dirt on you. His Wiki, his All right. Wiki queen. With that, I'm signing <laughs> off. Goodbye, Internet. Hope somebody's out there listening to me.